Well, I have to tell you, this is a big, this one is a big show. And the funny thing is about this show, this is a show on thought holes. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's about thinking. So how exciting is that? How interesting is that going to be? And this is probably of all of our shows, this is the most fascinating one to me so far. I don't know what happened, but I fell down a thought hole jamboree. I am like, I'm Mr. Thought Hole. I was voted Mr. Thought Hole. I was voted the Grand Marshal of the Thought Hole Parade. I'm delighted by it. Welcome to Dear Anxiety. This is the show where we talk about mental health. We talk about our relationship to our thoughts and feelings. We talk about the fact that there's no place to, to practice mental health skills, but this is the place where you practice them. Everybody talks about mental health. No one actually tells you how to practice it. So welcome to Dear Anxiety, the show that tells you how to practice mental health and well-being. What is emotional fitness? I don't know, but we should know. And today's show is all about thought holes. It's about thinking. It's about what we do with our thinking. And it's amazing that we think all day long, but we spend so little time on thinking about how we think. That's kind of strange, and and we're changing that as we go here. I do a lot of all-or-nothing thinking myself, and we're going to talk all about the different types of thought holes, what they are and how we deal with it. But my partner, who's been waiting patiently for an hour and a half now... is actually filing for Social Security because she's so old. When we started, she was a young woman, but now not so much. Okay, listen, you need an expert. You need somebody who researches, who knows the science of this and who knows the interventions. Nobody does it better than my partner, an expert in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, master's degree studying under Michael Marty Seligman, not Michael Seligman because he's Marty's cousin. Rini, are you there? <laughs> I am here. Did I have too I'm much coffee today? Up. You did have too much coffee. I think the cure for that is another cup of coffee. That's what I've heard. You know, as we say thought holes, I'm wondering, does that sound like a swear? You're such a thought hole. I think that's a, the best swear I've ever seen. And if it becomes a swear in a derogatory term, then we've done our job. Oh, if we make Urban Dictionary, I'll be so happy with yeah. thought holes. Because, you are such uh, a thought hole. You are such a thought hole. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is that I think we need to ask ourselves if we trust our brain. Do you trust your brain? Do you trust your thoughts? You shouldn't. If you you do. shouldn't. It's like if I wrote all this stuff out, somebody would, uh, they would put me in jail. I've been in emotional prison. I'd be in jail. It's amazing that we're still alive. The things that we think and the things that we tell ourselves. It is amazing. How do we function on a daily basis? Not well. well. Not well. Not no, well. No. You know that the really the genesis of all of this work for me was my experience as a kid. And one of the things that really fascinated me was in seventh grade, my best friend, Christine, was asked to the school dance. It was like the mixer. They used to call it mixer. I don't know if they call it mixer anymore. I know mm. that's aging me, but that's okay. I'm cool with it. Yeah. And I was not. Okay. And, and I was like, wow, this is really hard for me. But then there was another friend of mine that wasn't asked to the dance either. And she ended up going by herself and having a good time. Well, you know what I did? I stayed home in my room under my covers and I listened to The Cure. Okay, that was literally my therapy. But two kids facing the same challenge. So 
this other girl and myself. We don't get invited to the same dance now, you know, but one of them, one of us bounces back. That was her, not me. And the other one spirals into negativity. And I have always been fascinated by what's the difference? What is the difference between these two kids? Is it background? Is it environment? Is it genes? Is it the way you've been brought up? Well, what we know is one of the biggest factors in resilience is the way we think about adversity. But here's the rub. Our brain, this awesome machine, takes a ton of shortcuts and makes huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. All and I used to have a th- teacher, uh, Saul Gordon. He was a professor at Syracuse, and he would say, much of the work is documented by a series of false assumptions documented by research. But he, but what he, he mean, your brain takes in information, uses what it wants to prove its case and what it doesn't want. And if you don't direct it, it's like, you know, it's like leaving on a TV and just accepting every piece of crap that comes on as the truth. Totally. I think literally if we had 10 minutes to spend with kids on mental health in their entire childhood, we should teach them about thought holes. We should teach kids that your brain takes shortcuts and these lead to cognitive distortions or thoughts that are not accurate. And they cause negative thinking patterns. You can call it cognitive distortions. You can call it stinking thinking. We call it thought holes. Whatever you want to call it, it is messing us up, right? Until we do what we're doing on Dear Anxiety, which is beginning to talk about it and gaining awareness of these patterns. What's funny about it, though, is it is we do it all day and all night. And we never talk, we never like examine it. Most, most people don't ever examine it. So we're at the mercy of our thoughts. And I think it was Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, who said in the beginning of the world in like 70 AD, he says, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Mm. He says it in 70 AD. So a lot of us start to think, well, Ed... Or Marcus Aurelius, I can't help what I think. You know, I can't help what I think. But here's what we can help. We can help what we pay attention to, right? We can't, maybe can't help the 69,000 thoughts that cross through our mind every day. But if you've ever walked down the street with someone who has a really positive mindset, you'll see that they attend to things that are amazing, like the fresh breeze or the ice cream cart or a smile from a stranger. And if you walk down that same street with someone with a different mindset, they might notice, you know, graffiti or dirt on the pavement or a couple fighting, right? So we might not be able to control our environment. We might not even be able to control all of those thoughts, but we can control what we pay attention to. So you know what I think is so interesting is that The subconscious mind is able to absorb 20 million bits of information through the five senses in just a second or so. So you know what's fascinating to me is the science of how much information we take in. So the subconscious mind can take in 20 million bits of information through all of the senses in just a moment. That's incredible. But of course, we can't, we, we would be completely cuckoo birds if we were 
spinning all around and trying to pay attention to all of the sensory information. So we're actually only able to consciously focus on seven to 40 bits of info. So we basically filter, we filter the stuff and it's a mental shortcut. And while it's amazing and it allows us to function, it also leads us sometimes to distorting reality. So what we're talking about today with thought holes are skewed perceptions of reality. Yeah, skewed perceptions of reality. And and really, my first thing, the first thing that comes into my head is, do we need to quiet the mind in order to make choices about how we relate to our reality? Do we need to learn, do we need to practice quieting the mind with meditation and things like that? Well, let's talk about quieting the mind. So what do you mean by that? Telling it to shut up? Not, not <laughs> telling, telling it to shut up, no. but, but having a sense of, I am not attached to my thoughts. I'm going to let them run almost like a ticker tape at, at, in Times Square. It runs in the background, but I don't have to run with it. And I think that is incredible. If we could all be an observer of our own minds, that would be, that might be all we need, frankly. So I think what you're talking about in terms of quieting the mind is really the first step in catching a thought hole. So catching when you're in a thought hole. So should we go back and make sure that we're very clear on what we're talking about? So by thought holes, this is a Gozen word that we've essentially made up. We're talking about cognitive distortions. We're talking about the fact that we skew reality and there are very certain ways in which we do this. So we have kind of a list of them. And I can give you a few examples if you think that might be helpful. Yeah, because they're okay. com- it's common. In fact, you're going to hear this list and you're going to think, well, that's just the way I think. <laughs> yes, you're not, exactly. not going to think, oh, that's distorted. You're going to think, well, who doesn't think that way? That's the way I think. So I'm going to give you some of the Gozen language that we use for cognitive distortions because these are fun for kids. So if you guys are working with kids or you're working with students, these are fun words right, to teach them about thought holes. So one of the things that we do is we gigantify. Mm. We make little problems bigger than they are. We magnify them, right? We're making a mountain out of a molehill. I'm sure you've never done that. I've never done it. I've done it my whole life. (laughs) We also leapfrog, right? We jump to conclusions. So let's say that you're your child is in class and the teacher asks to see them after class. And it could be something totally benign. Maybe the teacher just wants to talk to them about joining a team. But immediately in their mind, they're thinking, oh, I must be failing or something must be wrong. Or why would they want to talk to me unless something is wrong? That's leapfrogging when you begin to jump to conclusions, right? It's not based on enough information. Well, I would tell you, and this actually did happen. I got a parking ticket. There was a long time ago. I wasn't paying my parking tickets, right? When I first was like 18 years old. And I Should got I a lot of- make a citizen's arrest? How yeah, dare you? You might. And I have to, and I had to pay my parking tickets, but I got one more ticket. And my first thought was what? Not I have to pay my parking tickets. My thought was actually, I'm going to have to move back in with my parents. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. That. Exactly. I get a parking ticket. I mean, the the way that we gigantify and we catastrophize and we leapfrog. So a lot of these things, these thought holes start to mix together. And so we have another one, which we do a lot. And I know Ed and I have talked about this before, but we call it extremifying, where you talk in extremes and use words like always and never. So I was telling you about that story about how I didn't get asked to the dance. And I literally, the first thought in my head is I'm never going to get asked to a dance. And that is extremifying. Where is yeah. the evidence that shows me that? There is no evidence. Yeah. And, and, and also, where is the other voice that comes in? And so we're going to talk about these tools and techniques, but keep going with the list because it's very entertaining. Moodiesening, right? When you use your mood to really determine what is fact. So making feelings facts. Like, I feel like I'm boring, therefore I am. You just... What do you mean you feel like you're boring, therefore you are? You, or I feel like X, Y, and Z, therefore it is. It, your feelings become facts. You got to send me this list for my daughter because she's she will find it interesting. She'll find it funny, but she does a lot of those things too. And of course I do. We all do it, you know? Well, you know what? I'll send you the recording of this or maybe yeah. she can just tune into iTunes. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I, you know, you know how it is when you play, when you tell your daughter something, when you say, I want you to listen to this, they're never going to do it. No, you have to tell her it's the worst thing ever and she'll never want to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she'll do it. Maybe. Yeah. Or here's another one, keyholing, where, you know, we all do this. If you've ever been in a work evaluation, you know, where they teach they teach the evaluators often or manage in like management training and stuff to sandwich if sandwich feedback, which means that you should give a piece of good feedback and then put the bad feedback in the middle and then another good piece of feedback. Oh. But so they're like, oh, Ed, you're amazing. You're such a good coworker and you, you know, you're so friendly to your, you know, but you come late every day. But you're good at doing those reports. That's right. So all you focus on is that one little thing that was said. Right. That was not good, right? You keyhole. So you're keyholing. So we teach kids these words. And let me just say that they love them. And the coolest thing is you start to see them using them. Oh, mommy, you're gigantifying, right? They tell <laughs> you when you're doing it. That's great. That's great. That's a great idea and in a great way. And also the drawings around it can be amazing because it is. Remember when I was a little kid and if my mom was angry, I made her into a momzilla. Like I, she looked like Godzilla to me. Her anger was big to me. And so that's the way I saw her. But for me, it's like, you know, things like mind reading, I know that you have better names for it, but mind reading, fortune telling, black and white thinking, catastrophizing. I mean, these are, these are common things every day. I look, I'm coming to this party. I wore an orange shirt. I never should have worn it. No one will talk to me. I belong in a sewer. I, I go from no one will talk to me to I belong in a sewer. Oh, yeah. And we do that. We do that for our kids, too. Oh, my goodness. You know, they don't have any friends right now. And so therefore, you know, we somehow project out that that might be an issue or they didn't do well on this test or I don't see them working hard. And then, of course, as Ed and I always say, like that we catastrophize out as parents do. They're going to be homeless. They're going to be on drugs. They're going to be in prison. Right. That's always like the end result of what's going to happen to our kids. Right. Right. I like that. I, I like the, the homeless. They're going to be in prison. That's what happened. They, they failed the test. And, that's, yes. and and their lives are over. Really. And their lives are over. I mean, it all they don't ends have in death. My life is over. 
yeah, they don't have habits of success. So right. these are distortions of reality, right? They're skewed perceptions of reality. Right. And so we need to teach kids. I think what you said is so incredibly important. We need to teach kids to quiet and slow their minds down, right? And I don't mean to get rid of their thoughts, but what I mean by slowing down is really the ability to be an observer of your own thoughts because that's the first step to catch your thought, to catch the automatic thought you're having and check if you're in a thought hole. And you can say, you, so you're, teach, you're talking about teaching kids to identify it as such. Oh, just fell in a thought hole. Just fell, oh, look at that. Just fell in the thought. But it's really observing. I used to have a teacher who would say, you want to turn on your observer. You want to be like an anchor person at a news desk. You're simply reporting the news. You don't have a feeling about the news one way or the other, but you're reporting what you're, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing. Oh, look at that. I just told myself that I'll never be happy. Huh. Now, it sounds strange to not have an opinion about that. But there is no opinion about it. It's a fact. You just told yourself this thing. I'm that, having the thought that. Yes. Exactly. It's a thought. I'm having the thought. thought. I'm having the thought that. And as you're saying, being a non-judgmental observer of your experience is something that kids can be taught how to do. Yeah, you're having these thoughts. They're floating in your head. They're floating by. A lot of them aren't accurate. And I know, Ed, you like the quick interventions. And this is based on the work of Byron Katie. Mm. And her work is actually called The Work. (laughs) Um, But she has this she has this beautiful question that you just ask yourself, is this really true? And that is honestly, I'm not trying to boil down decades and decades of research and the work of some amazing cognitive behavioral therapists. But one of the main things that they teach you in CBT and when you're in talk therapy is to really challenge your own thoughts, self-disputation. And that is a, a quick way to do it. Is this really true? Right. And if you're not really sure, don't make the judgment right away. Yeah. And, and if you say it is true, like because some people have, you know, I'm not talking about the average person, but some person, some people suffer from, you know, severe cognitive distortion and it's really severe and they believe they believe the distortion. And so you that's a mental health issue. Right. And so you say to yourself, will it help me if I say things like, is this really true? Even if I don't believe it. I think if you say it over and over again, you start to recalibrate your mind. I really believe that. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. You might not be going through the process of, well, is it really true? Let me collect evidence and see if it is really true. And let me challenge that thought. And all of these things that we teach in the Gozen program, it's part of something we call the five C's process. And the first two C's are catch your thought and check your thought. But as you're saying, even just catching your thought and knowing that you can, that it's not always fact. That's a that's leaps and bounds ahead of where I was as a kid. I didn't know that. I thought every thought that went through my head was true. Right. And and a lot of people who grow up to be, you know, adults still think that way. And you get out of the habit. The thing is you're busy, you go through a busy day, you go through a busy night. How do you do this? How do you say to yourself, you know, what what are the what are the tips that you can say where you can be like Oh, that's something. I'm going to check a couple of my thoughts today. I'm going to have that intention. I'm not just going to believe every single thing that comes into my mind. Well, you start there, right? I'm not going to believe every single thing that comes into my mind. And I can ask myself when things do come into my mind, is this really true? 
right? We're giving you like a simple way to check or at least begin the process of discovery. So I think that that's a first step, even in a busy day. And I think anybody can do that at any age. And I think that you can also, depending on the age of the child, work on helping them write down the thoughts that they're having, the automatic thoughts that they're having. Because what we know are thoughts and feelings are deeply interconnected. A negative thought can lead to a negative feeling. That negative feeling can lead to a negative behavior. And all of that can create a pattern. And so really becoming aware of our patterns is so incredibly important in breaking them. And, you know, there's lots of other things that we can do. So sometimes people make these massive lists of cognitive distortions, again, what we're calling thought holes. But for kids, we teach them between five and eight of the thought holes so that they can really get familiar with them. So I thought today for our role play, Ed, mm. maybe we can do like a game show. I like I, it. I can read a little scenario and you can guess the thought hole. Welcome to What's Your Thought Hole? Welcome to What's Your Distortion? I'm Ed Krasnick. As you know, people compete for valuable cash and prizes. If you can guess the thought distortion, if you can guess the thought hole and identify it accurately, you're on your way to on a trip to Barbados in your mind. Okay? We're giving your mind a vacation, a mental vacation. That's the <laughs> and you'll also get some soap. Oh, soap is always good. Soap mm -hmm. is useful for everyone. Okay, I'm going to remind everyone of the five thought holes first. So we have leapfrogging, which is jumping to conclusions, gigantifying, which is magnifying or making a mountain out of a molehill. We have extremifying, thinking in extremes, so always and never. We have moodiesening or making your feelings facts. I feel like I'm boring, therefore I am. And then we have keyholing. Focusing on only the bad stuff and ignoring the good stuff. Okay, you ready? Yes. Good. Uh, welcome to the program. I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, I'm a contestant. I'm actually playing for Mrs. Rose Horvath of Encino, California. If I win, she wins, and we have matching mental vacations. <laughs> I love it. Okay, here we go. Which thought hole fits best in this scenario? Sam sees Nellie in the cafeteria and he says, Hey, Nellie, is something wrong? You look a little upset. Nellie says, Oh, Sam, ugh, it's just, see, I got this history test back from Miss Crabtree and I totally screwed it up. I can't believe it. This is going to ruin my grades and I'm never going to get into a good college. I'm going to say that Nellie is doing a little something we like to call down south, extremifying. Hmm? What do we have for our winner? <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, this is a thought hole t-shirt and it's full of holes. Uh, <laughs> it's so full of holes that you can't even see it. <laughs> That's right. A lot yes. of holes in their thought hole. Well, yeah, good. Okay. I All feel right. good so far. Are you ready to try another? I am ready. Okay, here we go. Sabrina was sitting on the couch getting ready to watch her favorite show when her mom walked in and turned the TV off. Sabrina, honey, I need you to finish your homework before watching any more TV. Sabrina says, but mom, I always fin always finish my homework on time. And this is a new episode. That's so unfair. Everyone at school is watching this show. If I don't know what happens, no one's going to talk to me tomorrow. No one. Why do you have to ruin my social life like this? 
Now, is this, I'm not abs absolutely sure about this, but is this, this is not leapfrogging. Oh, it's yes, it is, Ed Krasnick. You oh. did it again. This is leapfrogging. You know why? Because I do it every day of my life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sabrina. You're taking a mental vacation. You're on your way to Disneyland, to the emotional <laughs> roller coaster. You are awesome at this. This should be a job. Yeah. You would get it. If I yeah. could just make it a job. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah. here we go. Last one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Mr. Diddley-Doo thought his cat, George, had fleas, so he took him to the vet. The vet told him that George was perfectly fine and didn't have fleas. Mr. Diddley-Doo was still worried and told the vet, well, some fleas are so small, they're invisible. That's not true, Mr. Diddley-Doo, said the vet. Mr. Diddley-Doo said, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Fleas also know when you're looking for them, so they hide by disguising themselves as hair follicles. Can you please check for fleas again? Because I really feel like my cat has fleas. Well, the thing about it is that I think that George has a little something going on, and it's called mood easening. And Yay. I love how Mr. Diddley Doo did a cameo. <laughs> Yay, it's mood, it's mood easing. I had some mood easing that I put on my salad. <laughs> okay, very good. All right. See, yeah. and by the way, so I didn't let Ed know that we were going to be doing that. And, and Ed knows cognitive distortions, but he doesn't necessarily know this language. So you can see how quickly it can be learned. It's something that we can teach our kids really easily. It's and it's fun. It's it's actually fantastic. And I can see art projects and I can see people drawing and I can see journaling and I can see people drawing their their issues and their thoughts. And it really would be. And, and, and of course, you know, the bubbles over your head and characters that do that. And you see a lot of that in the Gozen programming that you that you've done, the Gozen animations. And it, it's just great. It's a great way to go. And I really don't know why everybody doesn't have these Gozen books where they just it's like a workbook that you carry around and you you open it and make notes every day. I think I think we I'm ready for that. You ready for that? All right. Yeah. Well, we can use any piece of paper, any writing device to do that because these are really simple interventions that we try to provide you on Dear Anxiety that don't cost anything. You can do them for free and you can do them at any time. So I would say with kids, practice spotting thought holes in stories and in real life situations. Use the language because it becomes fun for them. And then they see, listen, we're all human. We all do it. We don't grow up and fall into less thought holes, maybe with some practice. But what we do get really good at doing is catching ourselves and disputing what's going on with those thoughts. Yeah, this is really close to my life, this kind of thing about thought holes and thinking. And really, I think what happens with thought holes is the more I practice unconsciously thinking about these things, the more automatic my thinking is, the more of a hole that I'm in in my life. It's not only a thought hole. What happens is you start to go in the hole. And so your perspective is from a person who's in a hole. So you can only see, you can't see what's around you. You can't see the possibilities because how can I see the possibilities? I'm sinking. I think a lot of people have that feeling, you know, or maybe it's just me projecting onto the world. But I no, do think I do think a lot of people have that feeling where they feel like they're digging them. They're just surviving. Right. They're, yeah. they're just treading water. They're just, as you said, they're trying to climb out of a hole. And what you begin to feel is that you don't have control. And what we know from all the research is that perceiving yourself not to have control leads to 
depression, leads to anxiety, leads to a lot of mood disorders. So what this does, the ability to understand that your thoughts are not necessarily accurate, it helps you take back control. You can teach your kids, okay, you might not be able to help having all of those thoughts, but what you can do is let some of them mindfully go by. You can dispute some of them and you can turn your attention to the ones that are more accurate. Let's teach our kids, forget positive thinking, let's teach them to be accurate thinkers. Okay, I'm going to actually edit that for my own use and I'm going to I'm going to share it with family members because I think it's kids, but again, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, I know we're trying to help parents, we're trying to help kids, we're trying to help families. This is for everybody. This is not a child thing. This is a human thing. And so, I don't care what age you are listening. This is for everybody. You want to sit down and listen to something together as a family? This is what you listen to because I guarantee you it affects your kids the same way it affects you as the parent. I love that. I really do think this is a human thing. So I want to make sure that, you know, in every show that we do, Ed and I want to give you things that you can walk away with. So if you have a piece of paper, if you're driving, please don't do this. But if you have a piece of paper, you can do it later. Just make three columns and in the first column, what I want you to do is write down a challenge that you've had maybe in the last week. We've all had big and small challenges, right? They come through our lives all the time. In the second column, write down what you're thinking about that challenge. It could be what you're thinking in the midst of it. It could be what you're thinking about it right now. And in the third column, see if your thought about the challenge is true. Is it really true? Right. So this is a very basic exercise that you can do to see if you're in any thought holes. You know, what you're thinking about the adversity or the challenge that you're facing is skewed because you want to go from there. Tell me one more time, go through the list of the kinds of thought holes that you tell people on Goes In. Yeah, these are just some of them, right? So we talk about leapfrogging or jumping to conclusions about things without enough information. These are just taking little pieces of data that you have, and then making a skewed judgment, right? So you, when you leapfrog, you're jumping to conclusions, gigantifying, making the problems bigger than they are, having a tiny pimple somewhere and saying you're never going to go out, you know, or you're going to miss a social event because of it. Extremifying. So thinking in extremes and using words like always and never. So there is a permanence when you're extremifying. Mood easing, making things that you feel into facts without a basis. I feel like I'm stupid, therefore I am. Keyholing, focusing on the negative stuff, the bad stuff, and really ignoring the good stuff. So these are just some of the ones that we talk about in the GoZen program. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, These are great names and great ways to look at things. So it's fantastic. This is absolutely helpful, useful. And I want to read a letter. You know, we, we talk about the fact that we want to have an ongoing conversation with the audience and we want you to be able to write in and, and even send in audio messages to us through, by using a uh, recording on your phone. You can send these things to gozen, gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. Send us your letters, send us your notes, send us your emails, send us your thoughts. 
and we'll put them into the uh, mood easing bowl and we'll 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 mix it around and we'll we'll all uh, share in the meal together you know only through community can can people I am not be eating sustained. anything with mood easing on it I'll tell you that right now <laughs> I'm not uh, unless unless it has paprika that's right. Um, if it has paprika, I'm open to it. And then I'll ask myself, is the paprika really true? Um, <laughs> is it true paprika? Okay. Well, now here's a letter that came in and the letter is titled, I am not enough. And that's certainly something we can we can relate to. Hi, Rini and Ed. My son is often comparing himself to the other kids in his class and feels he is a loser compared to them. I'm afraid that the things he's telling himself, the way he's thinking, he now actually believes. So now he doesn't even want to try things because he believes he won't be as good as they are. It breaks my heart. Please help. Wow. Well, you know, of course it's heartbreaking. That's the first thing. Of course it's heartbreaking, right? Because when we see our kids experiencing something like that, we suffer for them. We suffer with them. But here's the thing. Your son is strong. Your son has come into this world with incredible strengths, with incredible resources. And all we need to do is to help him tap into those. So the first and foremost thing I would suggest doing is going through a strengths assessment with your son. So going to viracharacter.org and taking the strength survey there, or there are other types of strength surveys, and really starting to just live and breathe character strengths in your house, talking about them in story, talking about them in context, telling stories where you use a strength, really point strength spotting. So pointing out when your son is using strengths, because when we feel like we're not enough, it's because we've forgotten the innate immense beauty that we have come into the world with, right? And that is something that can be brought to light and it has a lot of scientific research to support it. So it's not just mommy making you feel good and rubbing your back and saying you're so great. This is a research scientist who's done a lot of studying to say, listen, take the survey and these are your great strengths and that'll resonate with your child. Okay, second thing is social comparison. That's so hard, right? We all do it. We all do it. Oh my goodness. Why is that person doing this? Wait a minute. Why are they getting that? It happens all the time and we catch ourselves. When I see someone doing something in a way that is better, let's say, I'm not going to try to convince kids not to compare themselves to others because we live in a world of comparison. We send them into systems where they're constantly compared, right, in school. So what we can teach them is to be inspired by someone else, to be in awe of what they are doing, and to really remind them that nobody, I mean, very, very rare few, but almost nobody starts out great. Even the ones who we feel start out great, the Michael Jordans in the world, they didn't start out great either. We all start out doing something poorly until we get good. And so I think that that reminder is incredibly important. While you might not be good at something now, you're just not good at it yet. And to show them the path of the person that they're looking at and feeling a downward social comparison to themselves to say, listen, X, Y, and Z, that person, they also had to work toward this and let me show you how. I think that's super important. I hope I've helped a little bit. It's a pretty complicated question, I think, to answer in a little soundbite, but that's a starting point. Yeah, that's that's great. And it's so we're saying, what can you do? And really, what's right with this picture? Not what's wrong with the picture, what's right with the picture. Let's start with what you can do. And if you can't think of it, I can tell you as your parent because I see it. I see what you do. 
and I know what you do, so I'm going to remind you, because it's easy to forget when you're telling yourself, when you're gigantifying and extremifying and mood easing and leapfrogging and doing all those things in your mind. So unfortunately, or listen, this has been a great show. We're, we're going to have to wrap up here. But I want, I want to thank the audience for listening to us, for, for going to iTunes, for Stitcher, for Google Play. Anywhere you get your podcast, you, you can subscribe. Look for Dare Anxiety. You can find it on iTunes at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety. You can go to gozen.com and you can see all kinds of resources like this and many others and the podcast is also there. So please subscribe. Please pass it along. Write us. Let's start a dialogue. Let's widen the community. Let's live well. Let's live well uh, together. Let's be well and uh, help each other to do that. So very glad that you were along for this episode, this special Thought Holes extravaganza. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. See you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>